Hello and welcome to the first ever Tricolory Pridecast, your podcast on all things Yokohama F Marinos. My name is Jamie and I'll be your host, but I'll be joined by a range of guests from across the globe as we give you a run through of all the latest news and goings on at the Nissan Stadium. I'd like to start off by thanking you, the listener, for tuning in. Whether you're a Mari Sapo, Marinos supporter, or a general G-League enthusiast, we're grateful to have you along for the ride. I'd also like to extend our thanks to Ben Maxwell of the world-famous JTalk podcast for prompting us to begin our own podcast. And for those of you who somehow have managed to find us without first encountering the JTalk pod, then please do make your way over there and give it a listen. You will not be disappointed. So let's kick off the podcast and the new season with a couple of my mates who just so happen to be big Yokohama F. Marinos supporters, Stuart and Tony. So Stuart, how are you today? And can you tell the listeners where you are based? I'm very well. So I'm based in the hometown um, in Yokosuka right now. Um, I first came to Japan in in 1988, but I didn't follow football until about 2012, the end of the season. So um, I've been following Marinos since then, and uh, that's where I met you guys. Indeed it is. And don't steal my thunder, Stuart, because we are going to endeavour to find out a bit more about your your Marinos story. Um, but first off, I should introduce Tony. Tony, how are things today? And similarly, could you please let the listeners know where you're based? Uh, hi, Jamie. Hi, Stuart. I'm Tony. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I started following Marinos in around early 2009. Um, my local team here in Melbourne had been in the ACL and... Uh, I was casting around for a J-League team to follow and um, probably took the easy course and I chose the former team of one of my favourite players. So um, I settled on Yokohama F. Marinos and have been following them since then, since 2009. Excellent. Well, we'll come and maybe give a wee bit more detail on, on as I say, that Marinos story that you've got and we'll maybe find out who that favourite player uh, was, Tony, and how that player came to be <laughs> your favourite. But for full discretion, I should disclose, um, for those who haven't picked up by my accent, that as a lot of people involved with Yokohama F. Marinos um, seem to have done recently, I'm I'm in Glasgow, in Scotland, uh, and and I'm kind of based on current trajectory and projections. I'm assuming that you two will be joining me here soon as well as Ange and and Dyson Maeda, is that right? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely would if I could um, guarantee I could get back into the country here. But uh, yeah, (laughs) I would love to get over. Good. Well, let's move on then to our first segment of the podcast. And uh, I think it's fair to say none of us are native to the Kanagawa area. So, uh, Stuart, I'll start with yourself. But um, you mentioned late 2012 as being your uh, sort of starting phase of your Marinos uh, fandom. Um, how did you find the club effectively? What, what's, your, what's your Yokohama F Marinos story? Well, around that time, my son suddenly became interested in football. I think he was playing in the playground and... Um, showed an interest in uh, supporting a, a team. So I said, well, why don't we just go to the local team and properly support them? So it was a friend of mine um, who was already going there with his family and we joined him and from there it kind of snowballed. Um, we gathered more and more people and, and now go as a group about uh, 20 people at, at times. Um, so... I was actually in the hometown and decided to follow the local team. 
excellent. And for yourself, Tony, you mentioned earlier on it's been about 13 years for you, making yourself the most, um, <laughs> making yourself probably the most seasoned um, fan on this uh, in this particular podcast. Um, what's your kind of man in our story? And you mentioned about a favourite player. Just, just who was that? Yeah, oh, well, it's no surprise. Um, it's probably going to be a bit of a common theme for a lot of people who join us at some stage this season. Um, yeah, Nakamura Shunsuke. Yeah, I actually, I did him play for Japan and also I first saw him early on Sunday mornings here. There's the Serie A highlights in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I saw um, Shunsuke and Nakata and... Um, Rokoba were the ones that I can remember standing out for me when I'd see the highlights. And yeah, Shinsuke was one, you know, one of the top three of my favourite players that I'd see on those highlights. And so, yeah, it was um, his former team that that uh, grabbed me. Yeah, Tony, you, you, you've kind of given my own answer. Effectively, that's that's the same uh, story for me. Um, funny you mentioned those early Serie A um, highlights because uh, in 2001, I think it was, Parma came to play against Celtic in a pre-season friendly in Celtic, uh, um, my local team. Um, and I can remember really watching the game and being astonished by um, you know, Hidetoshi Nakata and also that yellow and blue sort of hooped jersey. I'd, I'd never really seen a jersey of that colour before at Celtic Park. Um, so that was coming out my segue into Japanese football. And then just so happens I ended up on a school trip, which makes my school sound as if it was really um, wealthy, but I can assure you it wasn't. A school trip to, to Japan uh, that coincided with Shunsuke signing for Celtic two days before that. Um, so you can imagine being 14 and 15 and arriving in Japan to your local team being on every single newspaper on the front page uh, was a pretty big shock for me, but um, was, was very welcome. And, and ever since then... Um, Shinsuke became my favourite player and I managed to go over to see him in Spain and when he made his way back to uh, to Yokohama it was a very natural um, progression for me to, to to follow him as well so yeah that's that's uh, my own Marinoff story and it segues nicely on to my next question for you um, because obviously my, my first game was around 10 years ago as, as mentioned and really was just as a result of following Shinsuke Stuart to start with yourself what was your first game and, and what do you remember of that day? Well, that's a very difficult question because the the first time I went with the family and uh, you know sort of kicked off my Marinos, uh, you know, watching um, career as such. Um, that that wasn't really the first time. Um, I'd gone a couple of years, maybe a year before, with with my son, and um, I really didn't know what was going on, going on at all. How to get there or how to find a place to sit or anything like that and um, so he was a little bit too small to concentrate on the game so it was a little bit too um, distracting at that time but I looked back and that seemed to be one of those matches um, where Mazda Naoki was playing and he came at the very last uh, few minutes and I think maybe he was substituted for Shunsuke and that was a time when he was kind of uh, kind of being edged out and he wasn't being selected um, and uh, it might have been one of his last few games so um, yeah and that was a really great memory and it made me want me to go back to the stadium that was the first time at Nissan Stadium yeah 
And Tony, yourself, what, what was your first game and, and, and what's your kind of key memories of that? Mm, my first game was, I think it was in August 2010. Um, it was against, it was home game against Albert X Nagata. And um, sat on the first floor at Nissan behind the goal, behind and a bit to the left of the goal area where the home fans all are. So um, seeing all the um, flags and the TIFO, their big shirt, all that sort of stuff was um, pretty impressive um, compared to, you know, I think it's probably what uh, most local A-League supporters um, really pick up on from the J-League is the impressive support that the J-League teams get. Um, As far as the game goes, um, the notable thing for me, and I'll try not to mention this this player too many more times, but yeah, it was one of the few times that uh, Shunsuke scored a goal off his right foot. So it ended up being a 3-0 win, which was great for the first game. And uh, yeah, scoring off his right foot also a rare thing for Nakamura Shinsuke. Indeed, well, similar to Stuart, and actually, Stuart, I thought you were going to say you couldn't remember the first uh, game for, for other reasons, potentially, because um, I'm sure there's been a few games that collectively we all can't remember um, since we first started attending. Um, but, yeah, my first game, similar to um, yourself, Stuart, is I can't I can't really remember who it was against, um, but the kind of key theme and the key takeaway for me was just that match day experience, which I think is is what strikes a lot of people who go to their first G League game and, and is something I'm, I'm always keen to advocate for friends who are travelling in that area is, is go and see a game because what I was used to in Scotland was, um, you know, you turn up, you're sort of shepherded into the stadium, it's cold, you know, you've usually had a few beers, you get a, an overpriced pie and you're back on the bus to get home and or go to the pub and, and get a heat. Um, whereas in Japan, that, you know, that, sort of carnival atmosphere almost outside the Nissan Stadium where there's so many, you know, things that the club have arranged and music and uh, even even down to the sort of breakdown of the supporters that there was so many more women and, and younger kids that attended games and just the environment and atmosphere was completely different. So whilst I, I went to see Shinsuke, I totally fell in love with the club and, and, and what I saw off the park that day and that for me, Despite the fact I can barely remember the, the scoreline or, or really how the game went, I was so taken um, by kind of what I saw in the stands. And as you mentioned, Tony, the flags and the atmosphere, the songs, that sort of stuff, um, it just seemed like it, it kind of came from nowhere for me. And, and really, I went home and, and I was kind of bitten by the bug. There was no way that, you know, what, what started off as a bit of a, an interest, um, effectively that day developed into, you know, fully becoming a, a supporter. So, yeah. Um, for those who haven't been to a game yet and, and potentially are listening, I could not recommend it enough. Tony, I think you and I have both answered this question potentially, although I will put it to you again uh, after Stuart has answered. But Stuart, in your time watching If Marinos, do you have one particular favourite player? So, uh, my favourite player? Well, uh, that's a difficult one. I should have thought about this a bit more. Um, I really, in, in the past, you know, we... We all know that I was really keen on uh, uh, Manabu when he was playing at uh, at the very start, and I don't really know why that was. I think it was a lot of um, I won't say hype, but he was kind of seen as the uh, player that was coming up and coming, but uh, he never really um, he never really made it. And uh, 
and then also you know for me as well shinsuke was a big, a big hero until he uh, until he left so uh, um that that was uh, good but uh, um and we we've talked amongst ourselves that uh, like that first year that i went there were so many cool players i i thought like for example um you know tomizawa and uh, nakamachi uh, kurihara they were all like real icons and uh yeah um so they were real kind of outstanding looking players as well as uh, yeah. um you know good players that uh, y- you you enjoyed watching so um i never really thought about at that time um favorites as as such but my my first uniform which was uh, was a fabio uniform and I got that because he came on in the last minute and scored a goal. And I thought, that's fantastic. That's the best thing I've ever seen. Um, and uh, so uh, he, he was a bit of a favourite for the, the very first year too. Excellent. Uh, and maybe I should ask uh, Shinsuke aside uh, in that circumstance then, Tony, or perhaps I'm, I'm preempting the answer here and it's a different one. Um, but but who would your favourite player that you can sort of think back on over the years following F Marinos? Who would your favourite player be? Yeah, that is a hard question. Like I've, over the years, um, hmm, over the years, probably a player like Kyodo. Um, he just always um, seemed to battle really hard. He was one of those undervalued players or players who was undervalued by supporters of other teams. He always, um, he did everything going forwards and backwards between our defence and attack. And um, I think I remember Shunsuke actually said, you know, if you don't, if you don't appreciate Hyodo Shingo, then you don't understand football, <laughs> which was a pretty, um, uh, impressive thing to have said about you, I think. Um, but as far as as far as um, I think someone like um, Kida now is probably one of my favourite players. Mm. Just um, he does all the hard work, and it's um, yeah. I'm not. I usually go for the more attacking players, but yeah, I, mm-hmm. I appreciate Kida's hard work, and he's a homegrown player as well. Yeah, and I think that always adds extra weight. And I think Tony. Uh, which the point Stuart made and, and Shoda would tie into this as well uh, about that early Marinos team, you know, had a range of characters. And when you look back on them in terms of their age, they were more sort of mostly senior pros and, and guys in their late 20s. They, they did. They had a real personality about them. I think that team, both as individuals and collectively, a real set style of play that, that seemed to work. And and for me, my Shunsky aside, my, my favourite player that I've encountered at Marinos was is one I've spoken to you all. Um, about separately, um, Saitaro Tomizawa, for similar reasons to, to what you mentioned with, with Kida, but also because of his personality off the pitch. You know, he was a, a real sort of fun-loving character. He was always, uh, you know, having a joke and a laugh with the supporters. But, you know, when the whistle went, he was uh, he was all business and, and all action. And for me, kind of was the, the backbone of that Marinos uh, side that we kind of, well, certainly for Stuart and I, sort of first encountered. Uh, following the, the club so yeah for as much as the match experience was kind of biting 
kind of bitten by the bug and, and brought in to be a Marinos supporter. Uh, you know, really that first established team, as, as Stuart mentioned, had great personality and really sort of brought me in to, to continue in that, that support uh, of the club. Uh, next one's probably a wee bit harder. Um, so I'm going to answer it first uh, to give you time to have a think about it because I am doorstepping you with some of these questions. Um, favourite goal uh, that, that was scored. And, and for me, uh, the favourite goal, my, the best goal that I have seen in the 10 years uh, or so supporting Yokohama F. Marinos is uh, not uh, a title winner or anything like that, but is uh, a goal that Shinsuke scored against Shonan Belmari in April 2013. Um, and it was a free kick from just outside the goal on the left-hand side. And the reason that's my favourite goal was not because it was particularly special or, or brilliant or important, but because he gave me the boots he was wearing when he scored that goal um, when I meandered up to the training ground uh, a few days after that to make my, my first visit to, to the now defunct or now non-existent Marinos town. Uh, those boots are sitting in my cupboard and uh, as a result, whenever anybody comes in to visit for the first time, they're almost always uh, showing those boots and showing the goal that he scored with those boots on. So, yeah, that's that's my favourite goal over the past 10 years. Um, and I'll start off with yourself against Stuart. If you could think of any one particular goal that's particularly meaningful or seemed skillful, uh, then what would you say that would be over the past 10 years? Okay. Um, very easy for me, because it was the most amazing goal that I'd ever seen. Um it was uh, Hugo Vieira in the last minute of a, a, a cup tie, a league cup tie, where if we had continued in, in a draw at that point, um, we'd have been there for another hour, like uh, in, in the stadium by the time the match had wound up and all the things there. And um, in the very dying seconds, Ikura kicked the ball to Hugo Vieira right into the left-hand corner and um, he ran a little and shot almost parallel with the um, the line and the ball somehow twisted into the goal behind the goalkeeper so flat along the the, the goal line and it was right in front of me so it, it was you couldn't have had a better place to see that see that goal and that wound up the match and uh, we won that, went into the next round and we all went home early. It was the most amazing, like uh, 30 seconds, the, everything changed. So that will never, um, I'll, I'll never forget that goal. And uh, Tony, for yourself, it's such a difficult question. Um, I've got a couple that stick out, but I don't think they're the best. Um, like, when I try and think of one, one of the first ones that comes to my mind is um, Marquinhos's overhead kick against Sagan Kosu. Um, I remember that. And, look, I'm not the kind of person that actually likes overhead kicks that much, but it just um, it was just, yeah, a great, memorable goal. Um, another one, the... Um, in 2013, Shunsuke against FC Tokyo when he um, repeatedly cuts back left and right in front of three FC Tokyo defenders, knocking them off balance, and then finally as he himself falls over, shoots past Gonda 
Um, and now I can't even remember who scored, but I think our first goal in 2018, which was which you could say was a quintessential Ange ball goal, where we played it out from the back corner up through, you know, probably half dozen to ten passes right up the other end of the park and scored. I think I can. <laughs> this shows perhaps the the um, modern state of mind. I can remember retweeting it, but I can't actually remember who scored it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I well, think uh, our first Ange ball goal sticks in my mind the most, but even though if I can't remember who scored it. I'm sure we can uh, find that and retweet it through one of the, the, the networks uh, if, if we need to, one of our Twitter accounts, I'm sure, <laughs> uh, Tony. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's interesting. And uh, yeah, I think I think maybe what we could do at this point now is, is if it's okay with yourselves, move on slightly to discuss uh, some more recent news um, now that we've kind of given a bit of information about who we are and, and our kind of um, favourites and, and memories of, of the club. So Stuart, I think I'm going to ask you to take the, take the leap of this one a wee bit here um, by looking at a review of your transfer window um, and sort of assessing what's been happening. Then I'm guessing if uh, we could start potentially with the players who have joined the club recently. I wanted to start off by just uh, explaining how the transfer season works. So for those who are not familiar with the Japanese football, um, let me just explain. Hold on. Okay, so the season ends in December and the players whose contracts are going to be renewed are announced very early on. And most players' contracts are listed as terminating on January 31st the following year. So we assume that any players who are not immediately terminated have been given an offer to continue with the club and it's up to them or their agents to find a better offer and negotiate with the club terms and conditions for the following year. And in some cases that means the negotiation continues right up until the contract deadline time in January 31st and even beyond that in one notorious case. So each year Marinos hosts a public event in January, where the new players, the manager, the team numbers and uniforms are presented to the public. And in the past, this was done at the Nissan HQ Auditorium. It was quite an interesting event to attend. More recently, it's been live streamed from there. So you can watch out next year in January if you're interested. Some other clubs uh, announced their uniforms and even wear their uniform at the end of the previous season. But with Marinos, you have to wait until January for the announcement. So up until that uh, um, announcement of the the team and the the uniforms and the opening welcome for the season, the news is trickling out on the official account day by day. So this year on the December the eighth, um, the Marinos announced that they'd renewed the contract with Kevin Muscat. And as you know, he joined last summer as a replacement for Ange Postacoglu. And this will be his first season in charge. So what do you think about uh, Kevin getting renewed this year? Um, yeah, it seems like a very natural conclusion. I think he he moved in and, and he was caught in that sort of difficult period where he's he's taken up the, the reins after a very popular manager with a very distinct style of football had led the club and to his credit I think he managed that transition well um, I think there were 
some worrying performances uh, towards the end of the season. Um, but I think it was Chris, another member of the group chat, who noted that when, when Kevin Muscat was winning, he was winning with Ange Ball. But when he was losing, it was uh, you know Muscat Ball or whatever uh, else it would be referred to. I think it will be interesting to see him have a, a clean run at it with pre-season kind of carried out in his own way to have a chance to stamp his style on the team and play his own style of football. It's going to be interesting to see how it develops and how it differs from the style and the attacking style that we've played um, over the past few seasons. But uh, I'm open to, to seeing where we go with it and, and certainly it has my support to, to be here for this season. How about you, Tony? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's really all we can do at this point, whether you, whatever your opinion of Kevin Musket as a manager is. I think, um, yeah, it's a natural progression to go from uh, Kev as Andrew's replacement last year into this year. Um, I think um, I think we have to give him a go. Uh, I think the thing that worries me is that um, with Andrew, it was always um, we felt we could trust the process or trust the system. And I'm just not, I'm just not sure what Kev's system is, or I just get the feeling that he's the kind of person that would put the system aside for expedience. So I suppose just have to give him a go. I don't want to prejudge him, but we did have some worrying performances when he did try to tweak things towards the end of last season. So of course, I want Marinos to do well, which means that he has to do well. So um, we just have to wait and see. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 difficult, as I mentioned before, to take over from a successful manager. But living in Glasgow and being a Celtic supporter, I'm in a unique position to kind of note that the Celtic fans, I think, are quite taken by Ange, not just as a manager, but by that whole package that comes with Ange, the style of football, the way he deals with the media, you know, the the you know the signings, all that sort of stuff. It, it really does move in and sort of take over him entirely. And and I think that makes it especially difficult for another manager to come in afterwards, and, and even the similarities in the sense that they're both from the same country, and, and, and I'm assuming within age range of each other, sort of thing. There's a massive disparity there in experience. I think um, Ange is significantly more experienced as a manager, so I think it will be interesting to see, as I say, how he breaks away from Ange's identity and sort of how he ran the club for, for so long in its entirety and how he really establishes his own style. I support him, as, as noted, it's the only thing you can do, but I think it's going to be a real challenge for him. Um, and th- there was almost kind of, it would almost be preferable if he was coming in at the start of a new season with an interim manager having sat in place for a few months would almost be a, an easier situation for him. But there was too long to go in the season. And um, yeah, all we can do is get behind him and see how we progress. Right, so... Yeah, I think that probably sums it all up. I think everybody feels about the same way, that actually nobody could replace uh, Ange. So um, it's good that somebody who at least has uh, had some contact with him in the past um, has uh, taken over, and we'll just see what happens from that. So I'll continue with the news. Um, 
I'm continuing in the chronological order because it's quite dramatic the um, the, the way the the news was announced because we're waiting for some players um, important players to be signed so in the after one week there was no no news and on December the 15th things really started to to heat up so the first one out was um one of the uh, goalkeepers on loan to uh, Nagasaki um Gaku Harada he was uh, announced as joining Nagasaki on a permanent deal then soon after that, uh, 22-year-old defender Taiga Nishiyama, who's on loan to Rainmere Aomori FC, um, he was announced that uh, his contract would not be renewed. And uh, later, on the 7th of January, he signed for Yokohama FC. On the same day, they announced that uh, 19-year-old ge- uh, goalkeeper um, Riku Terakado, um, his training loan to Yamaguchi will be extended until January 31st. And then big news was that um, Obi Paul Obina, Marinos's 24-year-old Nigerian-Japanese goalkeeper who was on loan to Tochigi SC, um, will return uh, for the 2023 season. So he started in goal for Marinos uh, 20 times during the 2020-21 season in the league and the League Cup and the ACL appearances before uh, Yohei Takaoka established himself in the team. Um, they must have been on the phone uh, to again to uh, Tochigi that day because soon after that, a 19-year-old midfielder Keito Ueda, who is currently on loan to Tochigi, um, was announced that his contract will be extended there until January 31st, 2023. He joined Marinos from the youth team and was immediately sent out to Tochigi to get some experience. So later in the day, um, the first uh, of the really big news came was that uh, Kota Mizunuma, who, uh, his contract was uh, renewed. Um, interestingly enough, he also played for Tochigi SC in 2018 10 and 2011 seasons before breaking through to the top team in Sagantos and um, the rumour mill had him associated with offers for several clubs which um, may have prompted the front office to get him to sign again quickly for the 2023 season. Um, also later in that day um, they announced that captain uh, Takio Kida now 27 year old who had been who has been with the club for 10 years um, joining straight from the youth team would be um, signing again this year. So I, I see um, uh, Kota Mizunuma as sort of a, a mascot uh, player. He's uh, been, you know, very good value in the last um, in the last year, coming on often in the after the 70th minute, and uh, you know, either uh, making a, a match-winning assist or um, in some cases, match-winning goal. Um, uh, Definitely at the end of his career, his uh, you know father was also associated with the club um, as a player and I think also as a manager. So um, it looks like he might be want to continue with the with the club and uh, play out his career there. Also, uh, no surprise that Kida will will um, uh, sign again, and I think those two kind of uh, set the tone for the dressing room. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think. Um... Interesting, you, you mentioned about Obi Powell. Um, I thought he was quite unlucky at the time in which he came in because, if you recall, he he made a quite a substantial number of appearances for us in the twenty twenty one season, and and really was a bit of a mainstay during the the ACL campaign where some of his heroics, um, you know, led us to progress in that competition. Um, but he's still very young in the context of, of kind of goalkeepers and I'm really interested to see how he's developed 
playing regular football um, because he has all the attributes. You know, he's he's naturally a very skilled goalkeeper. He's a great shot stopper. Um, but I found him, you know, his positioning sometimes would would kind of let him down, and uh, amongst other things. But but that stuff can be can be taught in time. And I'm I'm curious to see um, if he will compete. And potentially to be to be a number one, or if he's going to be regarded as uh, a number two and sort of sit there for a sustained period of time. Um, so I'm really curious to see how how his season progresses. Uh yeah. I, just on uh, Mizunuma Makota, I think it's um, these kind of stories. I think you know someone who starts off as well. He's the son of a former player. He came through our youth system, played for us then went away and now late in his career he's come back and he's still putting in some really, really good performances off off the bench. Like I think I, I haven't counted them, but he would have definitely um, gained us half a dozen or more points over the course of, you know, the year last season with his um, late, you know, late assists, his crosses from the right there. Um, so I really like those kind of stories around the club. Um, same with like Peter coming up through the youth system and, and being, you know, hopefully he'll be a, a Marinos clubman, you know, his whole career at Marinos. So, um, yeah, though, uh, yeah, so Mizunomura, uh, yeah, I'm a fan. Um, I know he's much derided in, in other circles, but he's done a good job for us, so I can have no complaints. Yeah, I think actually he's one of the players that um, you you wouldn't really notice if you only watch the highlights because uh, quite often his uh, you know contributions uh, um, are just there in those in those uh, final final minutes that really kind of turn the game or or kind of stabilise the game at the at the very end to to make sure that we win. Okay, I'm going to continue with the news. So on December the seventeenth, the uh, that was the next day. Um, there was uh, big news coming out then that uh, um, uh, Takahiro Ogihara was uh, decided to return to Kansai to join Vissel Kobe on a permanent deal. Um, also, on the same day, out of the blue, came the announcement that the experienced 26-year-old uh, Katsuya uh, Nagato, uh, left-back from uh, Kashima Antlers, would join on a permanent contract. Apparently, um, it was in the news that uh, he picked up COVID in in November 2020 and uh, never really made it back to the uh, the top team after that. I'm not really sure of his history there, but uh, he seemed to be an um, established player before that. And it may be if, um, just uh, other players um, took over while he was... Uh, um, out, out sick, and probably out sick for quite a long time at that at that point. And uh, then also on the same day, another surprise was that uh, 25-year-old Velgata uh, Sendai forward uh, Takuma Nishimura will join Marinus on a permanent deal. And he had 17 appearances with the Russian Premier League club CSK Moscow, and then was loaned to the top-flight Portuguese club Port Muniz, where he played um, two matches only, and then returned to Japan to become a regular at Sendai. So, a little bit of uh, kind of uh, um, kind of progress made there. Um, um, Ogihara, I think I think maybe it was rumoured before then that he would be leaving, so we weren't really so so surprised when the official announcement came. What do you think no, about that? I think you're right, Stuart. But just yeah. to to comment on that, because because I, I do think that that's quite a significant 
loss for us. I've, he's a player that I, I've rated really highly for a few years, and I think there was spells where he would play regularly, and others where maybe he wouldn't play so much. But but I always thought he was a really important figure in that midfield. And um, I think you commented on the the J Talk podcast this week that you know him and Kida had you know created that really effective partnership in midfield that was a huge contributing factor to the 2019 uh, league championship um, victory. For me, I think he's a he's a he's a terrific player. Um, he can be frustrating at times, you know. He can his lack of pace sometimes would show up, and, and his decision making sometimes would, would be kind of problematic. And I know that he's not everyone's cup of tea, but but for me, I would have preferred to have him this season than, than not have him. Um, and, and I thought he was a, a very good player. So, yeah, whilst it was kind of largely expected in, in some quarters, I, I was still a bit a bit gutted to to see him move on. Yeah, um, I've. Actually, I'd been pretty critical of him since he came to us. But I agree, I think he's a really big loss. He's grown on me. Yeah, he does... You know, that partnership with Kida is so important. Kida will um, stay back and be a bit more of an anchor where, and Ogihara had, had the freedom to go forward and he actually created a lot of stuff in and around the box. He'd set up a lot, you know, put in a lot of important passes from the edge of the box or from inside on one either side of the box into put the pass into um, a player in a in a good position for a shot. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a big loss. I think. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how. Um, I think Watanabe looks like he's the one that's going to take over that role. So um, who, who's a great young player, but um, he's got big shoes to fill. And um, also noting, you know, we, we mentioned Ogihara leaving there, but. I was particularly uh, relieved that, that that Kida signed on because, for, for news you'll come to in relation to Maeda soon enough, um, I was kind of thinking that, that he might be another player that Ange would have would have sought to take with him, given the impact and role he played uh, in Ange's teams over the, his time uh, at Yokohama. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty pretty glad to see Kida Kida stay. Um, it must be a strange situation for you, Jamie, where. You would obviously like good players to come into Celtic, but you also also would like good players to stay at uh, Marinos. Yes, it's a very strange situation, and I think maybe Sean, uh, a, a friend Sean, who um, is from Glasgow and is a Celtic fan and an F Marinos fan, also will be able to speak to this uh, at some point in future with me. But yeah, it's very conflicting emotions because that having that knowledge of the the F Marinos squad and and kind of trying to see where players would fit. You're almost sort of trying to do the maths in your head about who could who could join you and who could come where. I think it's it's worth noting that, you know, um Maeda's only the second ever player that, that Ange has signed from a previous club. Um I'm sorry, sure I know you're gonna cover Maeda's departure shortly. Um which was a surprise and, and made me think that potentially you wouldn't come back for multiple players. But I've I'm I've always rated Kida so highly and, and anyone I've ever introduced to Marinos, um, whether they know the team or not, has always picked him out as being the you know, the, the kinda the heartbeat of the team and I think that's a that's fair comment. So yeah, he's a terrific player and, and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that uh, that that Ange didn't go for him because I you know, he's a one club man, you know, he's been at Marinos for a long time and you know, my hope is that you know I can't believe he's only twenty seven. You know, I feel like this guy should be in his early thirties at this stage. But my hope is that he, you know, unless he he seeks a move overseas, which I, I can't see as a club captain, 
that he stays at Marinos for his career um, because I think it's it's the best place for him despite his talents and my belief that he would be a good player for, for Celtic or anyone else. My hope is that he, he stays with Marinos. OK, so pressing on. Um, from three days later, we got some more news that in December 20th, that the club had renewed its contracts with uh, Ryo Miyaichi and uh, Yuki Saneto and also uh, Ryo Taro Tsunoda. So the 29-year-old winger Ryo Miyaichi has experience playing playing in the Premier League and in the Bundesliga. Um, and But after joining Marnos in 2021, he only made one appearance and uh, let's hope that he comes to form in 2021. 23. Um, Yuki Sanato has been an important and reliable squad member for Marinos, filling in the defensive role when regular players have been unavailable. Um, I'm very happy to see him sign again. And uh, then the 22-year-old uh, centre-back, uh, Ryotaro Tsunoda, um, he joined us after completing his studies at uh, Scuba University and made his first appearance on November 6th at Nissan Stadium when he came on in the 68th minute to replace um, Tomoki Iwata in the match against FC Tokyo. And uh, we could see the other players guiding him and uh, coaching him. That was his first uh, um, J1 professional uh, uh, appearance. So also um, a new signing came in on December 20th. The Marinos announced another surprise that 19-year-old Nigerian-Japanese defensive midfielder um, Joel Chima Fujita joined Marinos from Tokushima on a permanent deal and he made 13 appearances for Tokushima in 2021 and 45 appearances for Tokyo Verdi in the 2019-2021 seasons. He looks to be a very good young player. hope he gets time on the pitch. Um, also on the 20th, um, the announced that... Um, uh, Yuta Koike will join Marinos from Cereza on a permanent deal. Um, in uh, tw- 2018 and 2019 season, he had hopes of making it big in Europe in uh, St. Trudenese, but he didn't play in a top team and returned to loan um, to Kashma Antlers, where he played 14 matches. So joining Cereza the following year, uh, he made only nine appearances. So another Koike to join our squad. So out of those uh, new players, um, any interest? Yeah, I've, I've got to, to say, Stuart, as is very often the case, the 5am kick-offs for me uh, watching Marinos sometimes can be hard enough, but it's a different ball game completely trying to get exposure to other players around the league. And for me, really, oh, yeah. my, my knowledge in that is based on JTOP podcast and uh, <laughs> basically any games where teams play against Marinos so to, to speak to these players I can't I can't say uh, I have any great in-depth knowledge um, however um, I'm, I'm open to to, uh, to anything and, and I'm, I'm pleased to hear that we've signed uh, Nishimura I think it was you mentioned that had played previously in uh, Moscow and also or certainly in Russia and also in Portugal because we tend to have good success when we bring former strikers back from Portugal I think it's fair to say uh, based on recent form so uh, open to, to all suggestions but but for me the, the, the players that are uh, open to all new players I should say however the players that have re-signed I think in the core of that squad are, are really where the value is for me Yes um, actually for me exactly the same though that, that I, I watch quite a few matches for other other teams and things like that but players 
don't really stick out in my mind unless we sign them. Um, and I looked at uh, Joel the other day on uh, YouTube, um, and uh, he looked great. You know, like it's really uh, great to, um, young player. So that'd be good. How about you, Tony? You got any um, comments on uh, these new signings? Uh, to be honest, I don't know much about them. Um, I was a little bit mm, underwhelmed, perhaps my first impression, but I, on further thinking, I think um, Koike and Nishimura, I think, and even, um, even Nagato, I think they seem like they're players that have all shown something in the past and then maybe had a bit of a... a a downturn in their in their progress and I think they've probably got something in there that hopefully we'll be able to bring out um, uh, the only other one um, Miichi um, I think he hmm, he may be an important um, re-signing um, given some of or one player in particular who's left us, um, but it's you know it's a bit of a worry um, if we place too many high hopes on on him with his injury record. So uh, I hope that we've just been trying to take it easy with him this last six months and not not um, push him too hard. And hopefully he have a good preseason and um, be fit and strong. I did see him in a in a practice game, one of the elite league games. <laughs> He started off really well. I think the first five or ten minutes was very good, and then he got red carded. So um, yeah, it, that was um, that was all I saw of saw of him really. He didn't really get much of a go in the league. I think he, the time he came on was late in a game, and it was a difficult game, and he didn't really have much of a chance to make an impact. So yeah, hopefully uh, we'll see something from him this year. Yep, looking forward Clear to. That I've, I've been aware of for you know for for a decade. You know, he's a guy that has had. I think it's fair to say so much uh, potential and, and was touted for so many big things. And I think it's fair to say that over his years in, in Germany uh, and even in Holland, to some extent, that he's made a, a great contribution um, to, to that, um, you know, to, to those clubs and, and, you know, played at a decent level. But I think compared to where we expected him originally from those days in, in Holland and then even making that move to Arsenal, you know, he's a guy that I think would have been touted to do significantly more and, and my hope is that at 29, um, you know, as you say, Tony, if he can stay fit and have a, a good run uh, of games, then he potentially could be a, a big contributor uh, to, to F minus. And I think we have a relatively experienced squad at the minute. Um, so my hope is that he kind of comes in and, and plays an important role in that and also supporting younger players coming through, given his, his breadth of experience. So, yeah, I, I'm another player that I'm, I'm hoping to see sort of bigger things from. Uh, this season, despite the fact that he's you know he's he's been around Europe for a while, he's he's really not played. I think he's only played there in about hundred odd, two hundred odd games over the course of his career, which really isn't a lot considering some clubs in Europe are playing forty, fifty games a season. Um, so you know, again, I'm just hoping he kind of comes in, sort of establishes himself and beds in and, and avoids injury for a spell, in order to try and sort of make an influence, uh, make a have an influence on the team. So yeah. Um, Big season for my my I believe. I think it's a big season for him in the context of his career as well. Uh, so I hope he hope he pushes on. Okay, I shall uh, carry on. So December twenty first was also a uh, busy day. Um, 
Marinos announced that former youth player, uh, 21-year-old central midfielder uh, Keigo Sakagibara, who had joined from uh, Reimue Aomori and will immediately rejoin Aomori on loan. So um seems to be quite a, 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 a contact going on between uh, Aomori and uh, uh, Marinos. Seem to have uh, exchanging players and... Uh, um, seem to be a, have a good relationship with them. Um, also, on the 21st, they announced that uh, Hokkaido-born 22-year-old Senegalese Japanese forward, Nadal Tala, um, joined Marinos um, after university um, last year and was on loan to Machida for the year. Uh, we'll return to the club. He was sent out immediately on loan after um, joining. And looking at his uh, youtube the practice practice matches on youtube he looks to be a really good player and i i would say that he um you know has similar characteristics to to maida um and uh, i hope that he can get uh, uh, a chance to show those on the the pitch um also on the 21st um uh, 20 year old forward uh, marinos youth player Eitaro Matsuda, who's on loan to Omiya, uh, was uh, announced that he will transfer to uh, Albrecht's Niigata on loan until January 31st, 2023. Um, I was kind of hoping that he would come back because he did play in, in the league matches and look quite comfortable there, but it seems that they want him to get some more experience um, outside of the, the team before coming back again. And... Um, Completing the very busy day, they announced the club announced that uh, midfielder uh, Kota Watanabe and 35-year-old uh, goalkeeper uh, Hirotsugu Nakabashi, whose only appearance since joining in 2029 was to replace Park Ilgyu when he was sent off with a straight red card in the 64th minute of the title-winning match against FC Tokyo. So uh, he's re-signing. He seems to be... I don't know, fourth goalkeeper or or down there in the uh, in the depths uh, of the goalkeeping squad, um, but uh, quite happy to see that uh, Kota Watanabe had um, uh, signed again because there were some rumours that he might have been leaving the club even last summertime. I think there were some some rumours that that probably wasn't getting enough um, play, so was looking to go somewhere else. And uh, just I will give the December 22nd because that's a quick one. Um, the 25-year-old goalkeeper, uh, Fuma Shirasaka, who's on loan to Kagoshima, will extend the loan until January the 31st, 2023. I think Marinos actually is almost a kind of a, a goalkeeping school. So um, I'm not really surprised that we have so many um, goalkeepers um, out on loan. Any comments about, uh, probably, uh, well, if you haven't seen uh, uh, Nadal Tala, then I would definitely recommend watching watching him um, on YouTube. Uh, so comments on uh, Matsuda not coming back and uh, Kota Watanabe uh, staying on. Yeah, I was, um, I was a little bit, Disappointed as well that um, Matsuda is not coming back this season. Um, he did show some good promise in those few games that he played for us. I think it was the year before last now. Um, then um, going off to Omiya Adija, he played a few games and then disappeared. Now I can't remember if that was because of injury or he just fell out of favour. Um, I suppose the 
the good thing is that he's still out on loan. He hasn't been released to Niigata. I, yeah, I would like to see him come back at some stage. And, uh, yeah, I have seen that some of those um, training matches with Tala and Dal on YouTube, and he does look like a very good prospect. He's a very strong lad, so uh, uh, I hope we get to see him on the pitch as well. Just to, to, to tap onto your point, Stuart, around um, if Marinos can have been a bit of a, a, a goalkeeper um, sort of academy, I'd, I'd never thought of that before, but not only in relation to players going on loan who are goalkeepers, but I think when you also look at the volume of former players um, who have spent some time at the club, you know, thinking of, of Paggy and, and um, you know, Ikura and Inamoto, even over the past few years, have all moved on and, and played at other clubs, I think. So, so yeah, it makes perfect sense. I've never considered that, but that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the the goalkeeper training team, um, you know, is, is very strong at Marinos um, with the former national team um, goalkeeper um, heading that up. Okay, I'm going to carry on and, and uh, yes, Matanaga, yes, you, you got, well, I just slipped my tongue. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, yeah. So he, he's uh, he and I, I actually he's probably coming up for retirement pretty soon because he's he's getting on now. And he's still kicking the, the 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 ball like a champ, and like from the corner spot to the 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 keepers during the practice time, and getting a cheer from the crowd every time he does it. Um, so December twenty third, um, uh, Naoki uh, Tsubaki, the 21 year old midfielder, was out on loan to Kitakyushu, was announced to be transferring to Mito Hollyhock on loan to until January thirty first, twenty twenty three. Also. Uh, 19-year-old uh, Rionos, I can't say the name, um, Rionosuke Kabayama, who is currently on loan to Yamagata, will return to Marinos. And he yes. appeared eight times in the 2020 season and is a very welcome uh, uh, return. So, yeah, and, indeed uh, he is. Sure, yes. that's, uh, that feels yeah. like a big one. Um, you know, we spoke about Maichi, you know, requiring uh, maybe looking to have a big season this year, but I was really, really impressed with Kabayama, his directness, his pace, and I think Ange was, was quite, if I recall correctly, quite hard on him. You know, he, he would come in and, and contribute well and then would be taken off uh, early in games, and I don't know if it was fitness or, you know, or potentially just not wanting, to, not wanting to go to the well too many times with him. Um, but I was really impressed with him, and, and it's something, you know, I think we spoke about in the group chat, is his pace, is, you know, he's electric, and... You know he's going to have opportunities this season, I think, um, because you know they certainly should have anyway, and, and I'm I'm keen to see him, you know, take that next step and and, and become uh, you know an important part of of the first team or potentially the wider, uh, you know, but the wider squad. Um, I'd like to see him get some game time, definitely. Yeah, me too. Yeah, how about you, Tony? Yeah, definitely. Uh, he, yeah, I think I, I watched a little bit of him at um, Yamagata after. Um, uh, Stuart on the J2 podcast uh, let me know that he seemed to be doing quite well. So I, I kept an eye on him after that. And, um, yeah, he I think um, it looks like he's found a bit more consistency than what he had um, when Ange was trying him. And I think Ange rated him quite highly and maybe that's why he was harsh on him. Um, he definitely, I think... Um, I think Sean might have mentioned at some stage that uh, Ange may have even 
said something in a press conference after after a game that could be read as being um, a bit down on him. So um, he, I think um, Kabiyama was one of three play three players that we signed from um, Kyogo Furuhashi's old high school that I think Ange had high hopes for. So yeah, hopefully he um, can get back into the starting squad and we can see him. Um, yeah, as he's very pacey and that directness. Um, yeah, he's got no fear really uh, when he's on the ball. So I think he can, can make a good contribution this season. Yeah, to put a bit of context with that um, that presser that uh, it was after after one of the matches, and I, I think what what happened there was that the um, the the interviewer was trying to press or kind of like you know box Angie in to to say he's a great player but um Angie wasn't wasn't going to um you know get caught out with that and you know said well yeah he's you know he, he came on and he did his stuff but but he's I think his fitness was mentioned even at that you know he, he's got to like He's not a finished product yet. Like Angie was not saying, oh, "Gosh, I'm not going to build him up and say he's the new hero of the club," you know, because we've got a whole team of other people out there who work there tonight. But uh, yeah, so I think it appeared to be, it appeared to be um, a bit harsh. But I think it was more because the the interviewer was pressing Angie too much on on his contribution, and uh, but. I saw him close up, like from the front row of uh, Mitazawa, and you know, just, just um, you know, me- a few meters away, and he looked great, and he really looked um, very skillful on the ball, and and in a way, he reminded me of um, more of the Brazilian players who, who who will come, and you think immediately, wow, gosh, they they've got something a little bit different. Um, so yeah, I was very impressed with him, very happy that he was coming back. So uh, continuing on with uh, December, so we're on December the 24th and um, uh, Makito Itos was announced to be departing to uh, Jubilo Iwata where he'd been on loan since the summer. So his loan turned into a permanent deal with them and uh, Father Christmas brought some good news that the club had renewed its contract with Brazilian forward Elba. Um and I think this is the first of the uh, Brazilian players to to resign. And then we got later in the day the sad news that uh, former youth player Kota Yamada, who's currently out on loan, had actually joined uh, Yamagata on a permanent deal. He had 15 appearances for the club in 2018 and seemed to be a rising star at that time and uh, was expected to come back, but uh, seems to have found his place in uh, um, Yamagata. In, in Yamagata and uh, we'll continue on there and on the 25th um, uh, Marinos announced that uh, to our surprise that uh, Takuya Wada had joined uh, J2 Yokohama FC on a permanent deal um, uh, Takuya Wada had been a really solid member since joining from Hiroshima in uh, 2019 and it's quite unusual for Marinos players to uh, transfer across the town to Yokohama FC. But uh, I think maybe he he wanted to stay in the region and uh, um, and was feeling a little bit uh, uh, that his time was up at Marinos. But I thought he was really um, 
kind of very humble and surprisingly kind of modestly good player. He just came on and did the job all the time. I was very happy when he was on the field and um, uh, quite sad to see him go. Also on the 25th, we were relieved to hear that uh, Shinosuke Hatanaka uh, re-signed. He'd been injured for much of the second half of the season after being a mainstay in defence since joining from Machida in 2019. Also, um, Marinos announced that uh, 23-year-old uh, Marinos youth midfielder Kaino Yoshio, who was on loan to Machida, will return. And he made six appearances for Marinos in 2017 and was sent out to loan on at Sendai and then at Machida. So um, from that, I think the big news was that Elba resigned. Um, that's probably not a surprise. Um, and that uh, Kaino was coming back. Any comments on those players? No, mate. Um, I think... Uh... I think that was when you think about the, the the amount of deals that have been done there in such a short period of time. I mean, I think this, we kind of started discussing this piece of work from really fifteenth, fourteenth of December, yep. and then you know within ten days, there's you know so many comings and goings. And I appreciate a lot of the groundwork is done earlier in the season, but it feels to me as if business has been been done quite early this year. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I felt I felt that everything was everything was pretty much wound up. Um, before the the uh, announcement, like the official announcement uh, day, yeah. So we weren't really waiting on anything. And I think in the past, actually, there there were kind of cliques of players that all re-signed together. Like they said, okay, if you're signing, I'll sign. And uh, they maybe they were going for some kind of group negotiation or something, something like that. I got I got that feeling that there was maybe the Shunsuke group, the uh, uh, Nakazawa group, the um, uh, Nakamachi group seem seem to be like groups of players that uh, um, I wouldn't say held things up, but uh, it took a yeah. while to uh, um, you know get the the signings. But at that time, it it was like I think it was more important to for Marinos to retain the players because they weren't getting good players really coming in. Like uh, who wanted to play for for Marinos, but that changed with um, with uh, Angie and uh, the 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 change in the in the style where players were saying on their initial uh, announcement that the reason they wanted to come was because they wanted to play the football that we were playing. So Tony, do you have any comments about any uh, Wada Hatanaka and Yoshio Elba? Um. Yeah. 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 Um. Elba's a good one to get resigned. I think, um, look, Eric is one of my favourite attacking players in the last few years, but Elba has almost reached the same level, I think. I mean, I, I would still take Eric back in a heartbeat, but, um, yeah, I think Elba has shown, especially yeah, last season, he's a great player. Um, Ito, it was funny that he went out on loan to... Jubilo and then pretty well straight after Hatanaka did his hamstring <laughs> and then we were short on uh, centre-backs for a few weeks um, so it's a, I don't know, I hope we've got enough cover in that position um, Wada um, I think he was the kind of consummate 
utility defender. We played him at left, uh, right back, midfield, centre back. Um, remember, he had those. Two, I think two was it two games in a row, or he had a string of a couple of um, one-touch volley goals. He did two. I think there were two last season. Outrageous goals. Um, I just really, I really rated him. I think he was. I thought he was a great player to have in the squad. He just came in and did the job. I, I don't think. I don't recall him making a mistake, to be honest. Um, yeah, uh, Kaina, um, I'd heard he'd been doing well out on loan, but I haven't actually seen seen any highlights of him, so it'll be interesting to see what he does when he comes back in. Yeah. All right. Okay, so I'm going to quickly go through to the signings until the end of the year, and uh, there's not many... Um, uh, big news signings in that, I think, but uh, let's just quickly press on with that. So, um, on the 26th, our, our regular second goalkeeper, uh, Yuji uh, Kajikawa, was announced as joining Iwata on a permanent basis. Um, then, the 27th, uh, Tomoki Iwata re signed with the club. Um, that was a good re signing there. Out on the 28th was Jin Ikoma, who was on loan to Kitakushu. And he joined uh, Yamaguchi on a on a permanent deal, and uh, one of the big uh, uh, reliefs of the 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 season, as it was getting a little bit late on um, the transfer season, was that uh, Tiago Martins had re-signed on the twenty eighth. He's a really valuable player to um, keep going. Also um, announced that day was nineteen year old goalkeeper Tomoki Tagawa. His contract had been renewed, and also. Um, Takuto Minami, uh, former youth player, was to join Morioka on loan until uh, January 31st, 2023. Um, we also heard that day that uh, uh, Loni uh, Kenyu Sugimoto, uh, on loan from Urawa, would join Iwata on, on loan from Urawa um, for the next season. And on the last day of the year, um, we heard that Eventually, the rumours had been true that uh, Daisen Maida would join Celtic on loan until uh, June 30th, 2022, with an option to buy. Um, so that didn't come as any surprise. And um, as far as most of us were concerned, um, I think we were actually happy that we'd be watching him um, playing for Celtic in the, in the coming year. So... I think um, from that, um, probably the biggest uh, relief news was that uh, Thiago would re-sign and I think all the others were kind of just uh, kind of rubber stamping things. Indeed. Any final comments? No, um, just, well, maybe to say that... that, that... With Dyson, um whilst there had been rumours for some time that he was uh, gonna gonna join Celtic, I think that was always potentially in the works just because of his previous experience, uh, you know, playing overseas. And it's something he's mentioned himself before about his belief that potentially he didn't make the best account of himself when he was in Portugal uh, with, with Maritimo, you know, a handful of years ago. So I think you know that that. That had always been something he he sought to to go back and and really try and remedy and and go away you know as a bit more mature as a player, 
um, a bit more accomplished and sure of his position um, as a start. So no surprise really to see him go. Um, I don't know where we're going to replace 22 goals from, um, you know, based on, I think it was 22 uh, last season in the league. So that, that's a lot of goals to, to replace. And, and you know, I, I think that's going to be a struggle this season. Um, and in relation to Thiago, uh, he's, he's, in my opinion, the best the best central defender in the league and, and potentially in the in the continent. Um, I think he's outstanding, and I think that partnership with with Hatanaka, I think it'll be interesting to see how that develops in a different style of football, because the two of them have been left so exposed at times over the past two or three seasons that you're almost seeing a slightly skewed version of um, central defensive uh, players because they're not kind of carrying out more traditional roles of clearing the lines and. Uh, and, and kind of managing the game with with little space behind them, they were they were often left isolated and, and quite exposed. I think a role both were fairly comfortable uh, in, but you know that style of football kind of put them in precarious and often difficult situations. I think it'll be really interesting to see those two and how they progress as perhaps a more sort of standard and functional central defensive partnership under a, less, a more slightly more conservative style that, that potentially must get their role out. Um, so for me, two great players that you know two great sort of re-signings for the season and and I'm very curious to see how they progress under under Kevin. Yeah, Thiago is um yeah, I think he's probably the most the most important signing. Uh for me there couldn't have been Ange Ball without Thiago Martins at the back there. Um just the cover he provided for our high line was astounding. I mean the pace the pace he has, I remember there was one game at Mizuzawa, I think it was against Consolo Sapporo, and they had a break down the right, and it might have even been um, the rumoured uh, incoming Anderson Lopez that was bursting down the right or something like that. And Thiago just busted a gut from midfield and just overtook overtook him and cleared the ball. And, um, yeah, that just sums him up. He just his pace is what uh, allows us to play so such a dangerous, you know, high risk, high reward <laughs> game. So very important to have him continue. Um, if our game changes and um, that role isn't maybe required so much in the future, then uh, maybe Ange might come calling. <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, okay, so I think we'll wind it up there the, with uh, with the transfer news. We've we've reached the end of the year, so um, in the in the next um, instalment we will we will carry on with the wind up of the of the the following few days. Um, and, uh, Indeed, yes, yeah, sure. I think we could we could pick that up uh, in terms of, of January next week, and also uh, next week, uh, or, or I should say, in the next instalment, uh, we should maybe have a bit of a season preview, um, looking at potentially you know how that squad looks to fit together. Potentially, we could bring our anticipated starting elevens, um, you know, to that <laughs> podcast, uh, and obviously iron out um, further teething issues. Um, mm. We'll we'll figure out the mute button um, eventually over the, over the next uh, week or so. Yeah. Um, but if you're happy to, to leave it there for today and there's no further news to update, then, then yep, certainly we can pick that up next week. Yep. Okay, then. Perfect. That's okay, great, well, guys. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you, Tony. And thank you to everyone uh, for, for listening. So uh, I think uh, it's noted that in the coming weeks we'll be, we'll be joined by members uh, from 
quite a, a vast uh, array of, of Marinos supporters groups from Tricolori Pride to the AJDB, as they're known, the Nogi Wanderers and uh, the Beach Boys as well. Um, so a few new personalities and a few uh, new folk will be, will be joining us in the coming weeks. If you want to catch up with, with the latest F Marinos news in English, then you can do so on Twitter over at F Marinos underscore EN news or through Tricolori Pride where other links will, will be available. So we'll be back soon with another episode where we'll preview the upcoming season as noted. But until then, uh, stay safe and uh, thank you for listening. Yep, thanks and goodbye. Perfect. All right, Stuart.